With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Texas Sports Nation podcast. Talking Astros baseball with Houston Chronicle beat writer Chandler Rome. I'm Steve Schaefer. Chandler, you are in Minneapolis for a three-game series pitting the Astros and Twins. Identical 18-11 and 11 records, and the Twins reside atop the American League Central. The big thing we were looking forward to in this series was the first reunion between the Astros and shortstop Carlos Correa. Suffered a bruised finger on Thursday when he was hit by a pitch. Can you give us an update on his status for this series? Well, first of all, Carlos Correa got great news that his finger is not broken. That is what the Twins feared when he was hit by a pitch last week against the Orioles. Uh, they came home, did a further examination, and it shows that it's just bruised. And if it would have been broken, he would have been out six to eight weeks. And as it stands now, he's not even on the injured list. So he is eligible to play when this series opens on Tuesday. But judging from Correa's comments to the Minnesota media and just judging from Speaking to some people I know that cover the Twins, it doesn't sound likely that he'll play on Tuesday, but I would I would bet money he plays in this series at some point, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday, but I wouldn't get your hopes up for Tuesday. Kind of a slow start this year for Carlos, but he has come around and uh, was really hot in about his last seven to ten games before this injury occurred, but... Um, what do, you, what do you have to say about the season he has had so far? Any explanation for that slow start? Well, he did get into spring training a lot later than most of, the, most of his counterparts. Obviously, he signed late into the season. And you're kind of seeing that rear its ugly head around baseball. Like, look how Trevor Story is performing for the Red Sox right now. He's been next to awful. And Correa hasn't been near that bad. But you can see kind of the shortened spring training coupled with the lack of offense around baseball. No one's hitting in baseball right now, and I think you couple that with Correa not having a ton of time in spring training. I think that kind of manifests in what you're seeing now. But look, the defense is still above, not even above average. The defense is still just elite. He's the best defensive shortstop in baseball. Um, you know, his presence in the clubhouse, you know, I look, I haven't been in the Twins clubhouse. I'm not sure how much gravitas he has, but I can imagine it's a ton. And look, I don't, I'm not saying that Carlos Correa is the reason this team's gotten off to such a great start, but when you inject that sort of life and that sort of presence into a clubhouse, we tried to quantify it the whole his whole free agency, just how much he meant to a clubhouse and what he can do and elevate everyone around him. I think it's certainly a factor. I think his presence is a factor, even if he's maybe not producing offensively the way the Twins would have envisioned, I think. Adding him to the mix and keeping Byron Buxton healthy has really propelled these twins to the top of the to the top of the AL Central. And I think, you know, maybe some Astros fans that aren't familiar with Byron Buxton, that maybe he's been hurt when you've watched the Astros play the twins, you're gonna get a chance to see him this week. He he's suffering a little bit of a hip injury, but I think again he'll be able to play as well. When he's on, he is perhaps one of, if not the most all-around electrifying players in baseball. Yeah, he's slugging 722. I don't think he's quite qualified among the qualifiers because he's missed a little bit of time. But having a great, he had a great year last year, but I think he was limited to somewhere around 90 games last year. Uh, but he has a talent. And it's interesting. Those were the top two picks 
uh, in the 2015 draft. Uh, Buxton was the uh, uh, player taken uh, after Correa. I guess when I think about this, it's also going to be the first time that we've seen Correa and Jeremy Pena on the same field. With the absence of Correa, Pena has kind of emerged. What do you see lately from him? Still a little bit of a chase rate, but boy, he seems to have a knack for the big moment. He does. And like like we've talked about, like we talked about throughout um, Correa's free agency, and then when he did end up signing with the Twins, you know, everybody you talk to in the Astros organization just exuded the poise that this kid has and just kind of the good demeanor he has and the ability to compartmentalize and Look, he, he's been everything they could have envisioned and more. And I think everything that you heard about Jeremy Pena has manifested itself on the field. Um, he's chasing way too much. He's chasing His chase rate is 35.2% right now. The major league average is 28.3. He's not making contact on the pitches he chases. He's only His chase contact rate is 42.1%. The major league average is 58%. So you put those two things together. He chases too much out of the strike zone, and when he chases, he's swinging and missing. But when he does connect with the ball, it goes a very long way, and it's hit very, very hard. Um, You've seen the power. You've seen him be able to, you know, really kind of make some adjustments mid-at-bat. He's taken advantage of some mistakes. He's hit some hanging breaking balls. Um, I, I think he's not let some of the strikeouts impact him. You know, a lot of guys in the clubhouse talk about his ability to kind of put the pass in the past. He doesn't carry his bat um, onto the field and his glove onto the plate and vice versa. Um, you know, look, his average exit velocity right now is 91.6 miles an hour. That is, that is, he's hitting the ball extremely hard. He's hitting the ball on the line. The problem is he's just not making maybe enough contact. But I think that's what the Astros thought. They thought this was going to be a power over hit guy, and that's what they've got. They've got an elite defense from him. You know, maybe the one area that I think I would have maybe wanted to thought he would be a little bit more active is he's only stolen one base. He's only attempted one stolen base. Uh, but, you know, as the old saying goes, you have to get on base to steal bases. And, you know, his, his on-base percentage right now is just hovering over 300. Uh, he's not taking a ton of walks. He's, he's striking out a little bit, but I mean, you can't argue with the numbers. He's been everything they he's been everything that the Astros thought he'd be in more. And then when you kind of look at the the team leaders in WAR wins above replacement, who's the top of the list? It's Jeremy Pena. He's been the most valuable member of the Astros this season. Very interesting. The uh, Twins have won their last nine at home. They're fourteen and three in their last seventeen games, and. I guess one of the big stories for them this year has been some remarkable pitching that I'm not sure anybody really saw coming. We talk about reunions. One guy the Astros might see if he gets in uh, in a relief uh, appearance over the next three days is Joe Smith. Um, kind of an interesting turnaround for him this year. Oh, and I think he'll get in the games, no doubt, because, you know, from watching Joe Smith, he's a righty specialist, and the Astros have a lot of righty bats to get out. They've got Altuve. They've got Bregman. They've got Gurriel. They've got Pena. So I think Joe Smith could get a lot of work in this series, but it's really a good, I mean, it's good for baseball that Joe is pitching well. He's one of the all-time great guys in the game, um, respected universally by just about everyone he's ever played with. He was a, a great guy with the Astros, and he's, look, he's gone, to, he's gone to Minnesota. He's appeared in 12 games and hasn't given up an earned run. You can't do much better than that. Um, and, you know, he's just one of a, a key cog in this bullpen. You know, they've got Emilio Pagan, who's kind of their de facto closer. He's been a good reliever for a while. And then a guy that I think a lot of Astros fans are going to, their eyes are going to open a little bit when they see him pitch. Uh, the Twins have a rookie named Johan Duran, 
he throws 103. And he has been a revelation this season. Um, if he keeps this up, he could battle with Jeremy Pena for American League Rookie of the Year. I know he's a reliever, but, I mean, the stuff he's got is unbelievable. He's, th- he's, he's thrown 14 and two-thirds innings this year and has 24 strikeouts. Um, he's faced 57 batters and struck out 24 of them. That, that's unheard of, uh, especially for a rookie. The, the stuff is off the charts good. Um, and he's a guy that can go multiple innings, too. They've stretched him out to two innings. So conceivably, if the Astros and their kind of sputtering offense, if they can't get anything going against the starters uh, through five or six innings, you put Duran in for seven and eight, uh, it, could be a, it could be a quick day at the ballpark. But, you know, look, the Twins have gotten a lot of good pitching from, you know, maybe guys that you haven't heard of. Uh, they signed Chris Archer and Sonny Gray in the offseason to kind of bolster their rotation. But Joe Ryan, who will oppose Justin Verlander on Tuesday, he's going to enter with a 1-6 ERA in his first 30 innings. Um, you know, you look at some other guys that they have. You know, Archer's thrown well. Sonny Gray's on the IL right now, but he's thrown pretty good. And then, you know, Josh Winder, a guy that kind of came out of nowhere as well, he's got a sub-2 ERA in 28 innings. So this is a pitching staff. The Astros are going to face a pitching staff, perhaps throwing as good, if not better, than their own. Yeah, Winder will throw Thursday's game against Luis Garcia. You mentioned Archer. He throws Wednesday, Joe Ryan, in the Verlander matchup. The Astros has been quite remarkable during uh, this recent stretch. They swept the seven-game homestand against the Mariners and uh, the Tigers. And uh, in that Mariners series, if if Verlander doesn't give up a a two-run homer late in his start, they would have allowed no runs in the entire series. What are you seeing from these pitchers? I, I guess I... One question I have to ask, Brent Strom is no longer with the ball club. Josh Miller, now the pitching coach, any effect there? Or is it just guys coming into their own? I think it's just they have good pitchers. And, I mean, look, Josh Miller learned from Brent Strom. There, there wasn't really that much of a drop-off. I mean, these are two – Josh Miller and Bill Murphy are Strom protégés. So a lot of similar rhetoric, I would imagine, is being talked about in the staff and within the room, but, you know, maybe delivered a little bit differently. I'm not sure if that has any um, impact, but, you know, you look at it, and if I would have told you before this homestand that the Astros offense would score 31 runs in seven games, and seven of them came in one game. So figure that out. I mean, they're not producing runs at at a rate that we've ever seen the Astros produce runs. Their offense is really kind of struggling right now, but it helps when you throw three shutouts. And it helps when you face Detroit's lineup, which is all different kinds of awful. And I, I, I don't think we can talk about it without bringing that up. But the Tigers, um, poor A.J. Hinch, that, that lineup is really, really bad. And, you know, credit to the Astros, though, they, they can only play who's in front of them. And they certainly threw the ball very well this on this homestand. They will be tested um, a lot more as the season goes on. But as far as to what's leading it, you know, that you mentioned the six-man rotation. Um I think Christian Javier certainly cemented himself as one of this team's five best pitchers. And they've got to find a way to throw him more. And they've got to find a way to maximize his value. That's not, they, could, they could not find a way to do it last year when he threw out of the bullpen. Every time he's come in this year, he has, he has done another thing to impress. He threw three excellent innings against the Tigers on Sunday. He's got a. He's thrown 21 and two thirds innings and allowed two earned runs. And he struck out 25. He's only walked six. He looks to have it all together. He is. I mean, you look at him and you wonder why is this guy not in the starting rotation? But then you look at the other five guys and you see you can't really move any of them because they're all pitching so well. Jacob Odorizzi, for as maligned as he was after his first two starts, he has really 
turned he has turned things around. He had a nine ERA after his second start. It's now three point three eight after six starts. Um, he's been very very good. You know, Luis Garcia and Justin Verlander kind of just you kind of come to the ballpark and you kind of just expect him to throw well. Verlander keeps um, really. You know, I, I don't think anyone doubted him coming into the season, but if he had any doubts, um, I think he has quashed them now. He is back to normal. He's probably better than he even was before. He's got a .704 whip right now, which is just an unbelievable stat for a guy that, um, you know, coming off of Tommy John, you didn't know how he's going to look. And he's been so pitch efficient and he's been able to get them deep in the ball games and just be very, very good. And, you know, you kind of look at the two weak, weak links right now in that rotation. And it's probably Framber Valdez and Jose Urquidy. And I probably wouldn't even call Framber Valdez a weak link, but just the way he pitches, he can be susceptible to outings like he had on Saturday where the Tigers, I think they had 10 hits against him, but again, their lineup is so bad. They couldn't make any of them really pay. Um, but, you know, Jose Urquidy, I'll be interested to see how he progresses. And I think this start in Minnesota is going to be a, a little bit consequential for him. I think if there is a weak link, if there is a guy that you maybe could say, you know, if you're looking for a way to get Christian Javier in the rotation, I think Jose Urquidy would probably be the the odd guy out in this situation. You know, he had a good start uh, in his last time out, but he still enters this start against the Twins, um, allowing a 301 opposing batting average and an 806 OPS against. You know, teams hit him hard. He gives up a he gives up a lot of hard hit balls and look the Astros have a great defense behind him and that takes away some of it. I'm thinking of that Blue Jays start in Toronto where they just rocked him around the ballpark, but the Astros made web gym after web gym to really bail him out. Um, I think Urquidy's going to have to get it together a little bit. I, I think he's probably the one with the most pressure on him if they do want to shrink back to a five man rotation and see how that goes. Now, when they will do that, I'm not sure. Justin Verlander has been pretty vocal that he would like to settle back into a five-man rotation get every and pitch every fifth day, get back on the normal rest. Now, usually when Justin Verlander says something, uh, the Astros say okay, and they do it. So um, I think we could be the Astros could be getting back to a five-man rotation here pretty soon. Dusty Baker was kind of coy about that. Um, after this day off that they had today on Monday, they're going to play 17 days in a row. Um, it would behoove them maybe to stay in a six man to get through that. But then um, you kind of wonder how do you fall back into the five man after that when all the off days come. So it'll be interesting to see, but they're being carried by their starting pitching. And I don't think you can overlook the bullpen either because um, a year after the bullpen really just seemed like last year, when you think about this early season bullpen, it was Ryan Presley and Ryan Stanek and then just pray and just hope that the guys you put in did okay before them. Now, I mean, Hector Neris has been very good. Rafael Montero has been a revelation. Phil Maton's thrown the ball well. And then you've still got Presley. You've still got Stanek. Um, they've got five or – Dusty Baker's got five or six leverage guys that he can really match up and and, and really kind of use to his heart's desire. And it's able to give some guys days off. And they're not relying on just one or two guys. So just all around, the pitching staff has, has thrown very, very well. You wonder how sustainable it is. I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to throw three shutouts in seven games every stretch, but you, you you win the games while you can, and you take and you take advantage of it. And certainly they have because the pitching carried them on this past homestand. Pretty favorable stretch coming up. They've got sixteen in a row. They had the off day Monday after seventeen consecutive days of games, sixteen in a row. And we'll see if Dusty 
sticks with that six man through here, or if indeed he, he goes, he, he's kind of got the option to do whatever he wants to do since he used Javier in that piggyback role before a day off. But as I look at the schedule after the Twins, they go to Washington, they go to Boston, which amazingly is behind the Orioles in the American League East, four with Texas, three with Cleveland in the 16-game stretch. What are your we're kind of past the small sample size a little bit in terms of games. The Astros, uh, as of this conversation, are a half game behind the Angels who are playing Monday night. But what are you seeing in the American League in terms of how the Astros stack up? Obviously, a team that's been to five consecutive league championship series is going to remain a contender. But what are your thoughts now that we've had teams are roughly around 30 games into this season as far as who's looking good in the American League? I think obviously the Yankees right now have kind of separated themselves as the early class of the American League. They reached 20 wins on on Monday when they beat the Rangers. They're the, they're the first American League team to get to 20 wins. Um, they're getting great pitching, and then you know what their lineup's capable of. Um, I, I think the Angels certainly, if they can keep this trajectory up, I think it'll be a fun August, maybe not fun for Astros fans. It'll be stressful, but uh, for the normal observer, it'll be fun to watch because. Taylor Ward has somehow turned into one of the best players in baseball. And then you couple him with Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon. I mean, the star power on that team, that's a, that's a really, can be a really difficult lineup to navigate. They're getting good pitching. I think their bullpen probably, um, the Astros would probably have something to say about this, but I think coming into the season, their bullpen was probably going to be the best in the AL West, just given kind of the additions they made. They've, They've got uh, Ryan Tapera. They've got Raycel Iglesias at the back. They've got Archie Bradley, Aaron Loop. Um, they've got just as deep of a bullpen as the Astros, and they've gotten some good starting pitching. Shohei Otani has probably looked a lot better as a pitcher than he has a hitter early this season, and that's a that's a scary thing for for the league because you kind of looked at him last year and you thought he was a much better hitter than a pitcher, but he seems to have figured out the pitching thing early in the season, and he's his hitting's lagging behind, but. I think as far as the Astros go, I'm just intrigued to see how this offense um, comes around or if it's going to come around. You know, will we think of this team, you know, for for much of this five-year renaissance, we've kind of thought of this team as a bruising, powerful lineup with an ace or two atop the rotation, and they piecemeal it together after that. But is this going to be like a pitching-dominant team? Um, because the early returns on the offense are not good. And believe me, I understand that offense is down around the sport. No one is hitting. Um, You look at some of the, you know, the the leading OPS right now in the sport belongs to the Colorado Rockies, and it's 734. Uh, The league average OPS right now is 676, and the Astros are 679. So they're a tad above average, but they're not scoring runs at all like we're accustomed to seeing. This is a lineup that led baseball last year in runs per game. Uh, they're, they're scoring 3.79 runs per game right now. Uh, the league average is 4.04. So they are a below average offense at run production right now. Um, they're getting exactly what they thought they'd get out of Jordan Alvarez. Uh, Jose Altuve has been hurt, but he's come back with a vengeance and had some power. Kyle Tucker's turned it on. We mentioned Jeremy Pena, but, you know, the the catching the catcher position that's a black hole offensively between Martin Maldonado and Jason Castro again that's what the Astros kind of envisioned coming into the year but you can only get away with that if the other guys in your lineup are performing well and and that's just not the case Yuli Gurriel has a 64 OPS plus right right now um, for those that don't know what OPS plus is OPS plus kind of 
it's a standard and it's a league it's a league adjusted OPS number. A 100 OPS plus is league average. He has a 64 OPS plus. Um, he's hitting 196 after 97 plate appearances. This is a guy that won the American League batting title last year. Um, as Dusty Baker likes to say, you don't forget how to hit. And I, and I, I think that to be the case with Yuli Gurriel, but he's got to find a way to turn it on. You know, Michael Brantley's never been the guy that's going to hit for a ton of power, but he's only got a 394 slugging percentage. Um, again, not what they not that they expected Michael Brantley to hit for a ton of power, but when there's other parts of your lineup that aren't performing, the the margins kind of get magnified. So I wonder if, you know, it's as simple as Yuli getting a couple hits to fall but to get him going a little bit. I wonder if it's as simple as, you know, Altuve staying healthy and staying on the field or Maybe it's playing Chaz McCormick every day, which I think is more than warranted because he's a far better offensive option than Jose Siri. Even if Siri's a little bit better defender, I think at this point, uh, Chaz McCormick has separated himself as the everyday center fielder, and I think he could provide a little bit of offense for a lineup that needs it. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see whether this um, whether this offense just kind of is, whether this is just a below average offense or whether this is an average offense or whether it's going to turn around and turn into something that we're more accustomed to seeing. And it's not going to be easy this week. Like we mentioned, the Twins have a very, very good pitching staff. Um, it was kind of odd and startling to see the Tigers pitching staff handcuff the Astros as they did. And look, if there's one area of the Tigers that A.J. Hinch is excited about and that the industry is excited about, it's, it's on the pitching It's on the pitching side. But they got five hits yesterday during a Tigers bullpen game that Willie Peralta started. I mean, it's, 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 I, I think we're still in the, you can't, and again, you can't argue with the record. They're 18 and 11. They just swept the seven game homestand. But as you start to look kind of longer term, you do wonder, are we going to view this team maybe in a little bit of a different line? Is it, are they going to do it in a different way? And I think only time will tell. It's going to be fascinating to find out, and it's really a, a very intriguing series that begins on Tuesday at Target Field in Minneapolis. Tanner will be there, and obviously you can follow him in the pages of the Houston Chronicle and at HoustonChronicle.com. I'd also remind you can follow him on Twitter at Chandler underscore Rome. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Texas Sports Nation podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.